You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. New chapter this morning in the battle against Ebola. Nickelback are back. The multi-platinum band has just announced a new album and a North American summer. Until you see the flaming butthole, you ain't seen nothing yet. Something good for ya. All right, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Something Good For You podcast, where it's usually the two of us sifting through some bullshit to try to find some good shit to show you, but I actually don't have Dave with me this week, and holy shit, you're actually seeing my face, which means for this episode and hopefully all of them moving forward, there's going to be a video companion to these podcasts, so that's really fun. I finally got my background set up. I need to maybe work on my lighting a little bit but you know hey that's what I get to do in post uh, but unfortunately you know it's not much I can do once it gets into the interview uh, and speaking of interview uh, that's the reason for the whole video companion this week I am sitting down with the one and only David Devine um, most of you guys are probably gonna know him uh, because he was the vocalist for the Mark Ramone band for a couple years between the years of like 2004 2005 and then uh, kind of sprinkled on throughout but I mean he's had so many other great stories, so many other great experiences uh, with the knockouts, cheap vinyl, Priscilla, um, and we even discussed the song Thinking About You, which is a song that you guys might know if you have the Finland's last record, never heard of them. So uh, without further delay, let's go ahead and get on into that interview. Ladies and gentlemen, I am more than pleased and honored to have David Devine here on the show with us. Hey, thank you, Alex. It's great <laughs> to be here. Finally, we made it work. We made it work. We've been talking about doing this for quite a few years, and uh, here we are. We're sitting here. I know. Uh, I was thinking about it, and the first time we actually brought this up was when I asked you if I could cover that song, because afterward I was just like, and by the way, I have like this podcast thing I'm starting up. You should totally get on. That was the last time we spoke. <laughs> <laughs> well, we it took a while, but we did. We definitely got on. So yeah, that was yes. great. Yeah, and the song no. came out great, by the way. Yeah, came out. Great. Oh, and, well, we'll 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 get get into that because that 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 was a kind of a personal um, little mark for me. It's just like you know something I really wanted to be able to do. Um, but honestly. We, we've been kind of talking before we hit the record button. We kind of discussed maybe where we want to go with this. Um, but first off, I really do have to ask, because I ask this among anyone that comes on the show. When you were growing up, what is the earliest memory you have of hearing a band or a song and just going, holy hell, I like music. <laughs> right, yeah. I, well, I with your posters, you're pretty right, spot on with my influences too. Kiss, definitely, obviously Kiss. I think around, uh, for me, I think I discovered them around 77. Uh, with the, I think, I think Alive 2 was the first album I had. And um, I think, yeah, I think that was out then. But anyway, yeah, I fell in love. Of course the kiss dolls were big then too you know so you had to have the kiss dolls but yeah that was the first band that i heard that really uh made me think that music um is is super important to me uh mm -hmm. it just uh, uh 
resonated with me as a kid. I don't know if it was actually, I don't know if it was the theatrics or the music that drew me in more. I was going to ask that. Yeah. uh, Probably it was probably split right down the middle. I guess, I guess I probably, I'm sure I love the music, but I think Mm -hmm. the theatrics really and looking at the album art, that album art, that was a double, you know, like a, well, it was, had a gatefold with the, with the whole stage in there. You know, the famous, uh, photo with the guys that they, they've actually taken pictures of them more recently mm-hmm. that were standing there at the kiss concert but so i think it was the theatrics and i think phantom of the park came out around that time ish and and you know again it gets that movie gets ragged on a lot but as a kid as a kid <laughs> just seeing gene simmons around a swimming pool dressed as gene simmons star I child yeah i love <laughs> and so i think that was it i i mean i i think until my and then motley crew i think it was 81 when shout out the devil came out I, I remember that being a pretty big influence on me and then of course guns and roses but yeah, Kiss definitely started it off. Yeah, for, for me and and a lot of other people, obviously. And I do find that interesting because even people that are like in the hardcore metal scene or like you know gutter punks, they always find some way to go. And you know what? Somewhere down the line, Kiss really turned me on to rock and roll. Yeah. Yet they are still one of the most controversially hated bands. Period. Like, I still feel like I have a target on my back when I go, I like Kiss. <laughs> it's like there is still one motherfucker in the back with a blow dart going, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, are you, oh, Kiss. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, it's because it's the same reason. Well, I don't know. It's the same reason it took him a while to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now, I know some of it probably was that Kiss had their own demands, probably, I would imagine. It would have to be right, but also well, we, we I think heard that, some of that during the process because the hall was wanting the original four to perform, and they're oh, like, yeah. "No, we're not doing that." And they were also, and but then Kiss was also like, "But we also want Tommy Thayer and Eric Singer in there as well," and the hall was like, "No." <laughs> oh yeah, which one, yeah, yeah. So, but I, and then I think the the people that could vote him in. I mean, I've heard. I've heard the sometimes the people that vote them in don't make a lot of sense. Uh, I forget who it was. Uh, 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 what guitar? I'll have to think about it for a second. But I, I know I heard some. They were making some comments about this guy, the guy that played Rumble. Burner. Uh, anyway, they finally let him in. But crit, some critic or writers were like, you know, um, we, we don't think he belongs in the, in there. Although Rumble was, you know such a great rock and roll anthem guitar it was mm-hmm. just instrumental but i think the same thing with kiss i think the theatrics which i loved as a kid through the voters you know they felt that they maybe uh, thought about that more than the l- lyric writing or whatever well i mean people still try to say that now it's like oh it's just the band with the makeup and it's like well you know i'm i don't see that when i'm you know listening to i stole your love you know on my mix so right right. you don't (laughs) see the makeup right but i love my one of my favorite kiss stories is that they right they started speaking of bands with makeup they started out opening for the new york dolls which uh, would later in my teenage years go on to be one of my biggest influences as well as the dogs to more from England, which was both bands were harder to find the material, but both underrated bands, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. No, 
honestly, you you do hear, you know, the traditional, you know, where your favorite bands. Oh, you know, the Ramones, you know, yeah. uh, Misfits, you know, it's like, you know, the Sex Pistols, Black Flag, you know, you're the Four Horsemen, the trading cards of the punk rock bands. I don't hear a lot of people throw nods toward the Damned. And also right. don't hear people throw nods toward the New York Dolls nearly as much as they should. Right. Yeah. It, which I don't under. Well, it's weird. Yeah. Well, I guess because they were more instead of where Kiss was dressed, you know, as characters, the New York Dolls were in drag. So maybe that's, uh, you know, what really throws people off. But that I mean, that stuff is great. The, the, the Johnny Thunders, whatever he's doing, even if he's making mistakes, it sounds great to me. <laughs> Sounds great to me. But then when they did the two newer albums with Steve Conti, uh, they those were great too. I think Maimed Happiness off It'll Please Us Once to to see this. That Maimed Happiness and some other great songs, just great writing. I think Joe Hansen has always been one of my favorites. Yeah, David Joe Hansen. I hadn't visited that record in a long time, mm -hmm. but every time I talk to someone that's a serious New York Dolls fan, they always kind of give that record that extra nod at the end of their conversation going, and that record's not too bad, by the way. You ought to check it out. Yeah, <laughs> so it's just not. Happened. And I think Sammy Yaffa played bass on that, too. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple songs that are slow, you know, harder for me to get into. But most of that album is fantastic. It's just absolutely fantastic. I, l I listened to it quite a while. And then the whatever the follow-up album was, a little more bluesy. Mm -hmm. But uh, it, but it, it was good in its own right. But yeah, the dolls are just, yeah, I love them. And and you just can't touch a band like the dolls. Like, for instance, that I feel that there are a handful of bands that just you don't need to throw covers in your sets. One is Iggy Pop. No one can cover Iggy Pop like Iggy Pop can play it. Right. And the dolls are also in that front. It's like don't don't attempt a doll song. It just it doesn't you're not gonna do it as good as they do. And the and the Krauss is gonna sit here going, Okay, when's when's your song coming up? Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Enough of personality crisis. We've heard it before. You're not playing it the way you're supposed to. You're uh -huh. you don't have the fingers. It's it, yeah. it's not it, you can buy the amp. You can buy the amp, you can buy the guitar, you can be a nerd and like zoom in and get the exact dial in on your amp but if you don't have the hands it's not gonna be there yeah and i think true. that's what makes all of these bands just so important it isn't necessarily that they're such amazing musicians and craftsmen of you know songwriting prowess it's what they do with that limitation or that strength that makes it so good yeah yeah there's no doubt about it uh they had seriously they did have some sort of like rolling stones thing going you know uh, uh between uh the guitar players that were just with the open chords and and i think yeah i think that when um people do covers personality crisis included i think <laughs> you try to do it too punk you know you try to do it too punk and it just doesn't work it needs that open sloppiness in there that looseness that you can't learn you can't i don't know if you can learn i mean i guess you can sort of learn it but uh it's just it's it, you know we're talking music when you're talking about mark's drum technique john that was johnny's signature uh guitar technique for the dials i think that you can't yeah there's just something you can't reproduce about that 
Well, and to kind of maybe pivot into that, you know, we, we can talk about, you know, if you don't have the hands, you can't, you know, mimic it in the exact same way that, you know, someone like a Joey uses their voice in such a way that it is a it's a secondary instrument, not even put someone like John Lydon in that. You know, when you listen to the Sex Pistols, you know, a lot of the times the guitar is really just chugging along on one main note. But Lydon is the one carrying that melody and creating that thing that you're wanting to sing along to. Joey would do the same thing. And by that token, I want to say that's probably why you have been, out of all the different vocalists I've heard with singing with Marky, probably my favorite, even though I've got a bunch of Misfits posters and I'm a huge, you know, 90s era Graves, you know, Michael, you know, Misfits fan. Okay, yeah, yeah shoot me now. I know I'm a fucking poser. What the fuck ever. You know, great stuff. When, when it, when it, yeah. com when it comes to all that, though, you didn't sing exactly like Joey, but you had the attitude of it. You had the melody of it. You weren't emulating him. You were using your voice. And I think mm -hmm. that's why it translated so well as your voice naturally has that little bit of that crooner, almost raspiness to it that works with a Joey. And I, and I think that's why I've even enjoyed so many of your solo projects throughout the years. And with that in mind, what has what was probably the first band that you formed that you kind of look back on and go, you know what, that was my first real band. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, the Knockouts for me it was the Knockouts, and it's it's funny. Thank you, by the way, for saying all that. But yeah, the Knockouts that we had. Uh, in the Cleveland area, and we I played with them for uh, you know eight eight-ish years or something. But uh, we we tried to. It's funny that you say all that because I remember you know at that time the bands previous to that I was trying to sing with like uh, a high register, which was so popular at the time. Every band had a high range singer. I don't have that at all whatsoever, and it was horrible. And I was trying to do it, trying to do it. And um, it just what you know, at some point you have to say, all right, that's not your voice. No matter if it's the most popular thing in the world, whatever, that's not your voice. And I yep. think somebody I think I think the people I was playing with said, just sing like the people you like, Joey Ramone, Tyler from Dogs to More, stuff like that. And it kind of went off. Oh, OK, um, that you could uh use that as an asset because again that time period was all about high voices you know and um joey like exactly what, and what time and sorry not to interrupt what time period would this exactly be well that would be the late 80s early 90s okay and again the ramones were going but it, you know pets you know brain drain was out pets and i love joey joey was always one of my favorites and like you said he had that he had enough of that 50s tone in there. That's why he was such an asset to the band. He could sing as punk as you wanted to or, you know, the sessions with Phil Spector where they kind of went off. And then Joey did some of the, you know, Be My Baby and some of the yes. other stuff. That's why he was such an asset. Or even when he did uh, branched off and did a couple uh, solo songs or whatever. That's why he was such an asset because he could blend in. With, he, I mean, he was he was like the, you know, Punk, the biggest punk rock legend with with arguably not the punk rock voice right he had he no. had more of a crooner type voice but he could i mean he could get he could get raw if he needed to right 
<clears throat> oh, absolutely. But, but that's when, yeah, I think that someone even used that as an example back then. Don't try to sing high. You know, obviously you're, you suck when you do that, you know. <laughs> and you suck you suck less when you you suck less when you don't do that so stick with and, that. and you know what everyone every vocalist needs that guy to kick them in the ass and be like dude whatever you're doing right now you need to stop <laughs> yeah yeah right. don't be yeah well i remember at that time with the band we it was the same guys in a different band before the knockouts but uh they had a they had a singer in an album out where the guy just had this high voice and i was trying to do that you know and it was just a mistake just <laughs> just terrible you know just terrible so yeah d that's a lesson don't try to be something you're not stick stick stay in your lane or <laughs> yeah. with the knockouts uh did you guys record release any records or eps yeah we we recorded a bunch that we uh but i mainly at that time it was mainly just selling stuff at shows we did have some uh cool songs we did record a couple cool songs uh one was i want to be a wannabe which was a really great song i still i think i still have that laying around here somewhere um but that was one um that i really liked and we had a, a couple but we, we were again constantly recording but constantly band member changing and you know th you know how that goes and uh so unfortunately yeah, <laughs> so that kind of stuff but that that band always and we, every once in a while we do still play a show here and there which is cool we, i mean luckily we came out of that all that friends the as much as you can because mm -hmm. it was just constant replacing and fighting but yeah we had we had some really great songs we 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 did record uh, on several occasions, yeah. <clears throat> Good deal. No, I, I definitely want see. That's the crazy thing is, you know, I, I try to do my due diligence. You know, if I have someone on the show, and it's like, man, you are hard to research. You are hard to dig in and find any sort of thing on. And it's just like the going into this, the only three I knew for a fact uh, were Black Stars, Mark, and uh, Mess. And I was just like, I know there's more. There's got to yeah. be more. So it's like I, I'm actually really glad to be able to dig in and learn you know a little bit more of this history because to me all of this kind of music is so important you know and there's so much of this kind of music that just winds up kind of getting not really forgotten because it's always lived on in your memory it's lived on in the memories of the fans that saw it but for someone like me i, I never knew about that so you know I, that that's why i love hearing about this stuff yeah that, there was that one and then as you're saying it that hard to research the the, ne the next band that was probably uh arguably more or most important was the the next band that i was in just for a few years after that which was cheap vinyl which is tattooed on my arm you'll see cheap vinyl and uh we had some really great songs there too and uh that I'm really proud of. In fact, one of them, like uh, "Blame," uh, was re-recorded by Priscilla, which is a really great song. I'm really proud of that one too. So, but again, yeah, it's harder to research. I don't know how much of that stuff's up on the uh, on YouTube. I don't. I, um, I may may or may not have one on my own YouTube channel. But early on, I put them up, and then I was getting uh, copyright claims on my own material. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think eventually I'll probably put a couple more of those up. Again, they're just laying around on CDs. It's just a matter of doing it again, but, <laughs> but yeah, with the copyright claim. 
<laughs> no, that is funny though because uh, when you release stuff through CD Baby, if you opt in for yeah. like, if yeah. it's it's so fucked up, you have to. It's the same button. If you opt in to allow your songs to be used in like Instagram stories and stuff like that, at the same time, it will run like that robot automation stuff and check like all YouTube videos. So, like, I'll start making promo videos for like the new record, and it's just like, ah, you can't do that. And I'm like, bitch, this is my song. Yeah, yeah, they, don't, yeah they don't care about that. Yeah, I, I just put up a Priscilla song. I think it was a live recording that they put up one of one of the tunes that we play on there i made a video and yeah i two i think it lasted once i even named it something else but i think it lasted like a minute before it got <laughs> copyright claimed, which is fine which is fine i mean it's fine unless you it, until you start getting thousands and thousands and thousands of views then it's not fine but no then it's just like well well uh where's <laughs> yeah where's and this I, going and if it's your own song you're splitting the money with yourself right but how are you getting that other half of the money i don't know i don't know it, it all goes to the cloud gods yeah <laughs> someone somewhere is buying a candy bar with that half money <laughs> So you mentioned a second ago uh, the importance of uh, cheap vinyl. So how did uh, so where does cheap vinyl lay in the history of David and the importance of? Well, that was when I started playing with Marky. I was playing with cheap vinyl. So, and we and what was what was cool cool about that band is we did have a handful of really cool songs. Some that some that I'm not so proud of, but some that I'm actually really proud of. We had uh, some really good songs. We were doing really great shows. And when I started playing with Mark, we were doing the same stuff. We were playing at the Rock Hall. We were playing um, uh, really, really big events. Uh, mm -hmm. we, uh, we, Cleveland at that time, Indians before they changed the name Stadium and stuff. We were doing some really cool shows at that time when I met Mark. So that's why it was so important because uh, I mean it was it really had some momentum. Mm -hmm. um, and then, but then at, at that. There was a point where I had to choose because I was gone then all the time with right. uh, Mark, and um, so that kind of made that fizzle out. But um, yeah, those those were really great songs. In fact, I've played them at you know uh, different places uh, around the the world. I played some of those songs uh, nights. Like I remember once in South America, we I, the night before our show at this little club uh, in Calafate, uh, the night before the owner asked so we went down and played a whole bunch of cheap vinyl songs with mm -hmm. the with the guy whoever was playing guitar and bass at the time with mark and uh yeah the club owner asked us back so that was wow. kind of cool. yeah um but yeah i, I really like those songs so they yeah they always have a pretty good place in my heart yeah. Well, since the road seems to be kind of leading in this direction, I'll kind of reel it back a little bit and kind of set that up. Uh, did you ever get to see the Ramones live? Oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, yeah, just around the corner, I have Joey's autograph on a ticket stub here. Oh, wow. From back in those days. And I think that was from 96-ish mm -hmm. uh, at a place called the Empire in Cleveland. And um, I... I'm pretty sure uh, we'll, we'll have to do some deep research on this, but I think I'm pretty sure that I saw them at a place called JB's in Ken, mm -hmm. Ohio. And I, and I believe it was, a, it was like, 
uh, I used to go there all the time to see my buddy's band, and they were great. The High Plains Drifters are really great. But I think that the Ramones played there, and I think that was the first time I seen them. And so that I think JB's in Kent, Ohio, and it was a small place. I'm pretty sure, unless I'm, I'm not making that up, I don't think. I, I, I think that was. <laughs> hey, I'm, but, I believe you. I trust yeah. you. Yeah, and and the next and and the next time I saw them, I think was that Empire show, and I remember being in the front row ish, and they came out with with whatever, just, I mean, just power, just it was just power. That's the yeah. only way I can describe it, and the movement of the people moved me from the front row ish all the way to the back you know involuntarily <laughs> because they did you know and it was wow i remember the jb's show was more more record like mm -hmm. but that th that time at the empire was more live ramones like and it you know everything was twice as fast just power man it was crazy that and i i think i've seen him a few times since then other than that but those two are memorable for sure yeah so was that a, so when going to those shows were you like finding ways to kind of meet up with members or you know how did how did your line eventually cross with marks and him kind of get the attention of like oh this dude can actually sing some songs yeah no i was i was i was never really too much autograph guy or i i didn't really need to meet the band i guess i yeah i, I was no I, I don't know why i was never well because i had buddies that did it but i know i know if you're into that game or i learned early on that that's like a thing like if the band's playing at 11 you know you got to go downtown at like noon or you know what i mean and it was a whole like hunting and i i just was never into that scene or maybe i just didn't have the time that could have been too but no, it, it definitely takes a certain personality because I, I'm I'm the kind of person like you know when we met you you just walked out and you were hanging out in the crowd so it's right. like you know that that was one thing we were not gonna like even for Mark we were not going to do anything more than hang around for a couple minutes and see if he shows up and oh he's already at the trailer okay we're gonna leave you know it's like it it takes a special kind of person yeah. to like want to hang out yeah exactly and I and there. And I later I've I've done I've done some of that. I mean I, I that's how I met Zach Wild. I met Zach Wild by going down to the radio station early and stuff like that. So nothing against that. I, just at that point I really wasn't. I uh, but but I think I was with somebody and I think she she knew how much I loved Joey and she thought it would be cool. And somehow it was just happenstance that it worked out because I, I I think it was I had help from her and um, so yeah I still have that autographed uh, ticket stuff from Joey at that Love time. That. Yeah. And um, so that's all thanks to her. But other than that, I, I never, I never met, I never met Johnny or Dee Dee. Mm -hmm. um, just Joey. And, and then obviously Mark. Right. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so at what point, uh, so did Marky put out a call saying he was looking for singers? You know, did he just see cheap vinyl play and, you know, come talk? I mean, how did, how did that interaction begin? No, well, he, uh, they, well, they were inducted in Oh two and I, and the rock and roll hall of fame started doing, uh, uh, induction or, uh, inductee concert series. And I think, um, I know, I don't know why. I know a buddy of mine played with Glenn Matlock there prior to that. 
so that's when that that kind of came into my radar but uh and then obviously uh johnny wasn't playing joey had passed away by the time this came and so did Didi. this came about and so i think they asked mark to play the rock hall now the the, the guy that played the guitar for us uh for many years a couple years there anyway cj gunn had i think at least roadied or new mark cj new mark for years you know since he was a kid cj was one of those guys that would go down at noon to you know meet and he he did that probably every time he was big hugest ramones fan in the world and uh so that being said he he called me uh cj did and asked if i wanted to audition and we met in a um and he was like all right well you know two days from now we'll meet at this house and uh we'll we'll uh we'll practice with mark and see if it works and then if it mm -hmm. does you can play at the rock hall now i was kind of freaking out like to get all this information i know right because uh, because like, i was gonna say you know let, let's not jump over all this way too quick it's like you know you go from you know you know as we were talking about earlier how important you know bands like kiss and ramones were to all of a sudden you know cj gunn reaching out to you and being like do you want to try out singing i mean do do you not just automatically exude all bowels at that point and then you know faint and come back i mean or does it or do you just like completely you're just almost playing it cool and it doesn't hit well uh, yeah that's kind of, it's kind of weird you bring it i've had like it's well like we said you know before the show started i haven't talked about any of this stuff really and so all these memories are hit me and this is crazy it's like this is your life but at that time i like i was telling you cheap vinyl were, were were doing a lot of the big shows and i think if we hadn't been doing that at that time period i probably would have freaked out a little bit more gotcha but, but because there was like you know we were opening for like the cleveland orchestra and doing you know just all these weird things that um i i was already in that like i don't know how to describe it when you it was part of the trajectory almost yeah, like it felt like you're like okay this would be the next step this feels cool yeah there was like it was like i was mentally in that realm where oh this isn't weird now like two years prior had you told me i would i would have been like you know i might have been like you're saying just freaking out or this is too weird or it's like you know fiction i i don't know but right. i don't know but i think that those shows had me prepared for that but yeah because i can't remember it seeming odd I, I i think it was just like oh all right all right cool how many but the only thing that was overwhelming was it's like well learn these 30 songs you know we'll, <laughs> we'll see on tuesday you know and so i was like and although i again i was huge ramones fan but there's a difference between listening to the ramones uh and knowing every word and then performing it in front of mark you know that, <laughs> it's a pretty big difference so you, you know and but i was gonna I, say I, how how do you call like I, I don't care who you are if you are a fan of a band and one of the members is like hey you want to come jam how do you even calm the nerves on that especially as we were mentioning earlier you know how important of a role you know the vocals do play you're going to be now that centerpiece like i can't imagine <laughs> yeah yeah no it, it 
I, again, if it had been any other time period in my life, it would have been maybe bizarre and right. there would have been nerves and stuff. But for, I don't know. It just kind of lined up where, yeah, I mean, I, it, and that confidence probably came through in your performance. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it probably did. It wasn't phasing me uh, at that time for some reason. I, yeah, it, it's kind of weird. I have never thought about that, to be honest with you. That's a really great question. But I, I think that it was just kind of like everything was like weird. You know, it was just this like ride I was on at the time. And that was just part of it. And uh, I was like, I was fortunate enough to be able to say, yeah, let's go. Let's keep riding one more time, <laughs> one more time, you know, and it was great. It was so great. Yeah. So you do the uh, the Rock Hall band. Uh, was it kind of presented as an idea of, you know, you're going to kind of do this show for the special event and then, you know, thanks a lot, man, had a great time. Or was it under the pretense of, hey, if this works out and we get a good response, we might have a few other shows lined up, but we'll see. Yeah, no, there were no other shows. It was just that show, which uh, maybe that made it a little bit easier. I don't know. Maybe that made it a little bit easier. There was snow. It was just, yeah, we're doing this. It was a special event um, that I, I don't know how many previous shows they had had to that capacity where Mark came out he did an interview with the curator of the rock hall and then he said all right let's play some songs you know and uh, <laughs> and then we did and it was daniel ray was playing bass and cj and then mark but one of the cool things at that time was that they i i don't know that mark had been in the rock hall before that but they took us around with mark and we saw we got to sit down and watch like a you know 20 minute video they had of the inductees and to watch him watch himself was pretty cool and badass you know uh watching him him watch himself on the screen but then at that time and this is kind of the weirdness you know then they were like want to go down in the basement where they have the vaults yeah obviously so we all went down there and down sure, there we in, wrote an entire song about not doing this but sure yeah. why the fuck not <laughs> and they, yeah right yeah and they so they took us down there and they and down down there they put stuff before they put it out on the in the in the rock hall because down there they got to come up with a uh, insurance price on it before they'll put it out on the floor you know and we would see down there you know they had some of mark's uh snare drums and stuff that they hadn't even put out yet and he was asking why don't why don't you put this out you know and uh, <laughs> some of it, some sneakers or whatever that he calls them sneakers converse or whatever they were not uh, other than converse the knockoff keds i don't know what it was but but then they would bring out like the two things that were like just adding to the weirdness at the time where they brought out they opened one of the vaults boom here comes the box the curators got gloves and they had bob marley's dreadlock in there what yeah so yeah they so we i was like whoa i don't know if it's out out on the floor or ever has been but we saw that and then out of the vaults they brought the two john lennon uh bed in for peace guitars out the, of a vault that him and yoko you know did those two at least two bed in for pieces and both times on an acoustic guitar he drew and i believe it was a, just a you know his john lennon style uh cartoonish figure of him and yoko in bed on those acoustic guitars that they brought out which i was always a 
John Lennon fan too. So that freaked me out. And a Bob Marley. I mean, those were things that were just priceless. But I mean, that was just piling on the weirdness of stuff like, all right, let's go. Let's bring it on. You know, you, 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 I am very surprised that no one has asked you or wanted you to like talk about that. So you have got to write a book, man, because I, I, I know my audience, you, you've got to get these like stories out to like a wider audience because th- this is just amazing stuff, man. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I have, I've been actually on my YouTube uh, channel. We've been doing, we've had uh fact I just got an author that was on a couple weeks ago. He just sent me his books in the mail. And I think this week we had a, guy that owns a publishing company and i i have written uh stuff that i do eventually want to put out there it, but again uh i kind of want to make it uh f- fictional which I, I i've done in the writing and i but i have to put it all together you know fix the spelling blah 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 doing that stuff that i hate i think that's the <laughs> only thing that's held me back because i have the material i think but i i just I'm not, you know, I'm not great at typing and I, I, I hate office work and all that, but I do need to do that. I think too, cause some of these stories are fun. Yeah. And, uh, and to put a pin on that, something you mentioned a minute ago, you being a big Lennon fan, uh, I do have to ask, uh, what did you think of the new Beatles song or the quote unquote new Beatles song? If you've heard it yet. Yeah. You know, I just heard, I heard it on a radio station that was playing it. I, I need to, Actually, I don't know when it came out. I think yesterday I heard it and it reminded me, oh, yeah, I got to check that out. Uh, because prior to that, I was wrapped up in the new uh, Mick Mars song. Okay. So but then, I, no, I haven't checked that out. All right. So we both have homework mm-hmm, because yes. the Beatles song I heard, but someone was commenting over the top of it. And so I need to go back and really check it out, which I'm surprised I haven't, other than I have been busy. But I, in their commentary, they were saying something about John's voice, and I don't know what they were saying, but I need to disregard and go back and listen to it. So when we're done yeah. tonight, I'm going to go listen. I'm, thank you for yeah. reminding me of that. I won't, I won't share my opinion other than I give it a thumbs up, but right. I, I have I have little notes as well, but it doesn't take away from the experience. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's a fun repeating song (laughs) they 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 definitely are working with as much as they had to work with which is it's fine i i I, and then i think i don't know if they were comparing it to when they released real love Mm -hmm. and i don't know i don't know i i do love the beatles and i hate to pick it apart too much but i i do have to check it out i did like real love and again yeah they don't they can't obviously go back and uh, uh, have John do overdubs or anything, so they got to stick to the. Wow, but one thing that does scare me in the future is if if people start tampering with it with AI, that would really bum me out. It's already happening. All you uh, have to uh, like it's right now. It's being used for good. Like I've been laughing my ass off for some reason. Some teenager or twenty year old, I don't know who it is, but I love them. Decided they were going to perfectly curate SpongeBob and Patrick and um, the plankton plankton uh, voice memes, and oh. then make them sing popular songs. Oh, so so hearing Plankton sing "Wake Me Up Inside" by Evanescence is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. There could be AI used for good. All right, yeah. So so right now I'm enjoying AI. However, 
there is a possibility of some harm happening so yeah. i am i'm keeping the eye out but right now i'm having fun as uh hal is you know flashing up the fl- uh, bright colors as i'm you know babbling and shaking my rattles yeah, yeah. <laughs> right no that's good stuff yeah that's good stuff yeah but when they use when they come down to use ai for the new beatles album then yeah that hopefully i'm not around for that <laughs> hopefully i'm not around for but you just happen to be around for i'm assuming another phone call after uh the rock hall thing kind of wraps up and how did you wind up kind of popping on tour with the guys yeah well, he was using artist man and artist management at the time and so they they booked all these tours i think i think at the time zach wild was uh, one of their bands and um Oh, it's they had they had a lot of them, artist management, obviously. And so he was doing they were doing I think he had booked like a tertiary market tour. Um and and yeah, again it was just like you want to do this. I think it was an east I'm pretty sure it was an East Coast thing. And I don't know if that's when we met. I don't know if it included that. I think that might have been a little bit later. But so is yeah, yeah, I think the first ones were like Pennsylvania and then upstate New York and anyway so yeah they called to to do that because i mean it was that show at the rock hall was a pretty good success i mean Mm -hmm. it was sold out the fans uh really enjoyed it mark was the interview was great it was great it was great that daniel ray was there and so we did that uh, with artists it it started with that summer maybe down in florida i'm not sure anyway but um we did that and again it was that one weekend and then we were doing the same thing we after that three of us were from cleveland they were just you know we were renting again the 15 passenger van here at the cleveland airport and driving new york picking up mark and then and then touring and it kind of just turned one uh three shows into the you know five more it it just kind of kept going you know and it was funny is it, all cool things like that never have like the formal let me sit you down and give you the offer it's just well i worked with these guys already well let's just see if they want to do some more and eh, let's yeah. just see if they want to do some more yeah yeah <laughs> and uh and so what year would have this been like oh four oh five yeah i think it was oh four this was oh yeah. four and then and then we yeah we were kind of watching out for it because it became it, it became so constant that Right. You, you, at that time, you try to pre-plan your life around it uh, um, because it was so constant at the time where, where you're trying to make a decision. Well, am I going to do this or work, work a day job or commit to this? And so, you, uh, you, you know, obviously doing that was more fun. So I committed to that. And so you're kind of keeping an eye. And I know at that time, Mark was playing overseas with another band in uh the, in russia at the time i think we saw and uh, and in europe and so we kind of were seeing where that was going to go or what our limits were but i i mean we were ha- we were pretty happy at that time to doing what we we're doing and it was the for a, a couple years when i met you we were in one of those 15 passenger vans and we did the east coast for yeah a couple years and then and then artists got us out west i think in california mexico yeah yeah that was uh that was definitely the tour i posted that up on as we mentioned earlier what kind of led to this whole conversation is um at that show 
didn't ever meet Mark, but at his merch table, he had a bunch of pre-signed uh, drumsticks. So I wound up getting one of those, and you were kind of milling around after the show. And one of the things that, for me, really personally drew me in was one... I remember you actually making eye contact with me some and like pointing at me some because I was the kid. I had I had to have yeah. been maybe no more. OK, if this was oh five, I was born in ninety two, you know, so it's like I was young. You you yeah. you, you spotted the kid and yeah. you were pointing him out and including him. And that immediately drew me in you made it personal this band that already meant so much to me and i know that the real guy is back there you know you have to essentially win over a bratty kid that doesn't care about the all the other guys right, i only yeah, care about right. marky i don't who who are these guys yeah. i don't care that they're, they're not on the records i care about marky right yeah three songs in all of a sudden i give a fuck about you and i give a fuck about cj because yeah. both of y'all were so interactive with the crowd you noticed folks and you made the entire experience so much more enjoyable yeah. and plus hanging out after the show that i have right over there and i'll t snap a photo of it and include it with the uh, episode and everything i still have a set list from that show oh, and wow. i have the back of a sticker card that you signed and that's the only reason i remember it was from the 05 tours you signed at 05. oh five wow good for me doing the bookkeeping yeah right. look at you look at uh, you, look at you. <laughs> good for me. so it's like that I remember that, and this isn't any sort of slam or jab, but a couple years later, I saw the Misfits. It was the Jerry Fits with Robo and Dez, but, yeah. you know, I still look back on that show with Marky more fond, even though there was technically the same amount of quote-unquote original members. It was the same mentality, almost keep the legacy of the band going. But you guys were just so much more fun. The band was tight. CJ is a guitar player, knew the moments to emulate the Johnny and moments to do him. And yeah. it didn't dawn on me until I became a guitarist later on in life and noticed those little things. And I, I really do just want to convey that that lineup and those shows you did I'm sure they were backbreaking. I'm sure there was bullshit between, you know, vans breaking down, hotels not being ready, venues not being ready, money not being right. Every single thing that happens with every single band that tours. But I can promise you, if I felt something from it, other people felt something from it. So thank you for doing the sacrifice <laughs> and going out and singing those songs and performing them the way you guys did. Because I don't know, in some weird alternate universe when I didn't see that show, maybe the Ramones aren't my top three favorite bands that I will bring to the grave. Maybe they're one of those like, oh yeah, I love the Ramones. Not that die hard, this is a band I wear. I don't care about the shirts. I maybe have like two Ramon shirts. I don't care about wearing the shirts and doing the things. Mm -hmm. But that music is so impactful. And mm -hmm. it would be really discrediting if I did not include that show as being one of those pivotal moments when it fully solidified. So for me personally, man, 
you are right up there with just as important as the rest of the guys. Wow, that's that's amazing. I have goosebumps, and I, <laughs> I mean, I really, I really, uh, I'm honored and thank you. And for I'm not trying to, that. and yeah. I'm not no. trying to blow you up, but it's like you know, no. we, I've, I don't get to talk to you much, and you already mentioned that folks don't, you know, really ask you about this stuff. So at least in some sort of public forum, I want to issue that thank you and to pivot from that just so you don't get too, you know, goosebumpy and you know right. stuck in it, you know. Through those shows, what would you say was probably the coolest venue? Not even necessarily for like the largest crowd, but like what was one of those shows that stuck to you just being like that was a special show? Oh, there's so many. I mean, that was that was a great one. Um obviously the rock hall, the rock hall was hard to top uh <laughs> because that was really great i'm trying to think uh there were some theaters in florida uh if i if i have to think of one stage that i really love the most uh because of the interaction with the fans and the way it worked out it was it was it was uh exciting slash scary was uh in um, the hard rock cafe in uh, mexico city okay um, I, I always hear Mexico City is like yeah, the place because I I didn't know what to I didn't know what to expect. It was a re, it had it's a really cool stage and it's hard to explain. But the backstage area is above the stage, and there's this like almost a house built above it. I mean, he had multiple rooms. It was long, and um, the the kids had gotten up on the roof they were trying to get in the backstage area and i mean it was like two or three stories up so while we were getting ready and I, again we didn't i didn't have any idea what to expect of mexico or mexico city and it was our first show and while we were getting ready they were trying to get in there banging dangling banging in the windows and you can hear how many of them that were on the roof of this place that it was scary because if they had all gotten in who i mean you know not that they meant any harm but if they were all say trying to get Marty, marky's <laughs> autograph at once uh bad things people could get trampled you know or fall off the roof or whatever but anyway so you came down the spiral onto that stage and it was just packed and and crazy and that one will always uh be special to me just because i had no and and that was like just outrageously uh exciting i mean mm -hmm. the energy of the people on the roof and in the crowd <laughs> and and then it was just wild and it was a top it's a very top-notch stage there at the hard rock too i'm getting uh flashback memories of uh i think it's on ramones raw i think it was also on one of those um ramones around the world marquee compilation videotapes of uh when they were in i think um i think it was even mexico city or some somewhere down south and they were getting in the van and everyone just pounding on that fucking van <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 it was it was what i mean it's why I mean they Mexico they did that South America they did that uh, at some points to almost uh, a scary level you know depending <laughs> depending on their mood because there were some nights where it was just they were so happy and crazy and found the van and surrounded it 
it, again, Mexico, South America areas were huge, huge fans. But then some, I remember there was one show that we played in, I think Tijuana and we, the, the PA was just like worse than, you know, your first PA you ever bought, you know, <laughs> and the lights were like the worst than the lights in your bedroom, you know, and the sound was horrible. And it was packed. And you got to remember, these kids were paying like their, you know, who knows how, their life savings or something to come see the show. And then I remember that that one particular show, you just couldn't continue because the sound, there was just no sound. And we were like three songs in and we had to leave. Wow. And they were super pissed, you know. And so they they were surrounded in the van to... to, to, to <laughs> to get their money back i think not not with adoration this time uh, no. so there were times like that where we had to literally hold the crowd back give them bracelets say oh I, you, you know we'll let y'all get an autograph so that we could even get the van out you know because <laughs> that is start getting people out so wow. which i can understand i mean uh, you know they paid all this money and they only got three songs but in the same token they weren't getting they weren't getting anything quality what's what's you know, I mean, like do worth, you hear what's happening right yeah, now it was it was bad there were no no vocals i'm sure i i bet it just sounded like drums maybe in in the dark in the dark because there was like one light you know so, so somewhere in the middle of all this um marky releases a record called start of the century yeah. Uh, which it was a two disc set and disc one was like a comp it was basically like the two intruders records remixed not not audio wise but remixed track uh order sequence but then disc two featured a live performance with this lineup we're discussing yeah um when when did that kind of fall into the discussion was it just like in a van ride and he's just like hey i'm gonna record a show and put out a record or um that i don't i'm not sure that that was ever discussed other than probably again it was probably another call from cj and uh i don't i think we might have played a show in cleveland and then the idea was proposed maybe i knew about it previous i'm not quite sure but then the idea was proposed and we had to do it really fast because we did a show in Cleveland. Mark was leaving to do whatever he was going to go do. And I was actually the very next day moving to Las Vegas. Ah, so there was a time crunch there. So, uh, <laughs> you know, again, they, they were all songs that we were doing or had done before. Um, but that was, uh, yeah. So that was recorded in Cleveland. Yeah. So, so so i i have a tiny theory and if you don't want to comment that's totally fine how live is that record um it's, it was uh live uh for, first of all it was, is, is it the mark your ramon kiss alive record yeah 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 I, yeah it was which is uh, fine which is fine i'm not knocking it but however was, listening to that i'm going hmm yeah it's actually you know you know i was excited to do that but it yeah. was embarrassing because again i was leaving for vegas the next day mark was leaving but it's embarrassing i for me for the fact that there were so many songs recorded that day there were like 25 or 30 songs recorded that day 
you you know i don't know about you vocally but you can't you know and we did each song twice right uh so you know now you're you're, you're shooting on 60 songs that we basically <sighs> recorded that day at least and, and providing that full throttle joey yeah. energy yeah it was rough but it wasn't just rough on me it was rough on everybody i think because again they had to play the well, no, I guess they didn't. They they didn't have to play them quite as many times as I did. <laughs> I, as a matter of fact, now I'm having lonely flashbacks of me being. <laughs> no, that was recorded. Just that, you with a single twenty yeah, just, watt light bulb dangling above yeah, your head. Just, okay, I'm yeah. gonna do. I don't care again. Let's yeah, do here, it. Here we go. I don't care. <laughs> I think that that one may have came out all right, but no, that was record. That was recorded all in a studio. All of it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I, I I was I didn't know if you wanted to completely share that or not. But yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I think at this point, it I think matter, I think that enough time has passed. Yeah, enough time has passed, and it was pretty obvious. I mean, it was recorded. But Billy Morris, Billy Morris played uh, guitar in uh, in Warrant for some tours with Janie Lane. Janie Lane's from this area too, mm-hmm. and Billy Morris has had. A, he still does have an, a different studio here in Cleveland, but he had that studio. And he probably ran sound the, the night before at the show that we did play. Mm-hmm. And it was just an idea of recording these songs as a live album. And I mean, the, I mean, they were recorded live musically. Yeah. But it, it was recorded live in a, in, in a studio. Yeah. Which I think, I, I think is pretty obvious. I think if I'm being completely honest, I think the only bit that made it obvious were the interludes between the songs yeah yeah yeah. i think i think honestly if you guys had just ran it through with a straight one two three four i think the only thing i would have even ever suspected is maybe a punch in with like vocal or guitar but like but otherwise it probably could have fooled me because you know recording technology is you know especially by that mid 2000s point was pretty darn good so and from my memory of the show you guys were really tight so like i remember distinctly um my mother and i were at a record shop and we were just thumbing through the ramon section and we saw that cd and i was like what is this we flipped it over and i think you are credited on the back as vocalist on this too and yeah. both of us had like nearly a conniption fit because we didn't think that anything existed with you guys's lineup so it's yeah. like when we actually saw that we were actually quite happy but so i i just thought that was a rather interesting piece in time and how that is kind of a hard piece to find like it seems to be released digitally but not available digitally does that make sense yeah 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 it's it's funny that you bring up those interludes i'm trying to think of one now but yeah they definitely stuck out uh, the the interlude that sticks out to me is right before Blitzkrieg Bop. Yeah. Does that one ring a bell? N- n- okay. I, yeah, I, I would know them all once I heard it, but it's been many okay, years. Okay, so, yeah. so right, uh, I, it's only fresh in my mind because I was listening to it today before this. Right before Blitzkrieg Bop, Marky, you, you hear like the last snare hit is almost like a semi-hollow hit. I think it was Happy Birthday right before, I don't remember. Either way, last snare hit sounded kind of hollow, and you hear him go, ah, if there's any dwarmers out there that have hit their finger with their stick, they know that hurts. Uh, anyway, <laughs> you guys should know this one is called the Blitzkrieg Bop. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
<laughs> that's the main one that sticks out in my mind. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, God. <laughs> I love oh, it, God. though. I love yeah. it, though. No, it's, yeah, it's great, but that's funny. You know, I, yeah, now it's bringing back memories. <laughs> but, yeah, so, that, that, yeah, that's funny. That's oh, funny. So, uh, during this time, you said that you were mentioning uh, moving back uh, or moving to L.A., and that also opens up another door of our history. Uh, so, moving to L.A., that is when Black Stars become a thing, correct? Yeah, yeah. It was Las Vegas. Yeah, we moved to Las Vegas, and uh, it was the Dark Stars, which was... Dark Stars. Yeah, Dark okay. Stars, uh, which, yeah, which is where, yeah, we recorded the three three songs there, the one and the one that you uh, recorded. Was uh was the only one that of the three that I was happy with, uh, but uh, it but th- that being said, it was a really good track and um, that one, uh, more of course Morpheus Black played guitar, Justin on bass, and then um, uh, a really great studio drummer Dallas, who played on a lot of great m- material, uh, other bands material. He he lived in L. He had a house in L. A. too. So. Anyway, he's a great drummer. We recorded that at Les Warner's studio from from the call, and uh, that, See, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like you, no, like you just you, you just kind of throw that out there, and be like, eh. dude, like wow, I never knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was wild. Well, when I the, actually when I was on the plane flying to Vegas that day, see again, this is all the the circle of weirdness. It was just constant. And when I was on the plane that day, I got a call and it was some, uh, I don't know, it was a competition or a slash show at the Imperial Palace in Las Vegas. And they were like, you're in, you're in, uh, in a, on this day or whatever. And so I was in and I, I did a Ramon song there. And uh, one of the judges was Les Warner, the drummer from the call. And so he liked what I did. And so he called me and then, yeah, we just kind of developed a relationship right off the bat right off of moving there and it was great he was he's a really nice guy a cool guy he's that one of the things that freaked me out like when you go to his house and you know in his office he would just have him pictures of him and julian lennon you know because he played with julian lennon and you know all these great people you know and the the call obviously and uh but but he was so nice and inviting and yeah we were friends and hung out and uh started to have our own little punk band too but anyway in his garage no one uses their garage out west he he turned in his into a studio and then yeah it's just it, it's wild it's like overwhelming you walk in and on the uh on the right when you walked into his house he just had i think 10 gold records hanging there you know no, just and, casually yeah just in his, <laughs> and which was his living room you know and, and they just looked great but he was such a nice guy and then you know vegas at that time where 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 a lot of people went that were playing in big bands or touring or whatever because you could make a living there so um while while recording there or just hanging out uh a lot of different uh cool people would come in and it just became normal but that's that's thinking about you that you did that you recorded Mm -hmm. was uh one of the cool was the cool thing that came from the dark stars out there and uh, again uh it had a little momentum but again i moved out of there after a few years just 
just because my my daughter was born and I wanted to get her out of Las Vegas, basically. <laughs> Smart move, I would say. Yeah, yeah. N- And again, talking about and the reason I even mentioned the importance of that specific lineup that Marky toured with with you and CJ, you know, being so important, at least to, you know, this young budding punk, you know, and his discovery, you know, after that show, we were kind of looking at as like, okay, cool, this is Marky's band. And Around that time, I want to say that mom found you on MySpace. And then shortly after is when she found you, I had added you. So through MySpace, of course, back in the day, we were able to upload songs and, you know, know. do whatever. It's like, you know, it was actually fun. We could personalize it, you know, make it look like us. And I just remember one day logging on and you had posted two songs. It was um, Love Be True and Thinking About You. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. you had posted those oh, two. And well, love be true. Love be true is the knockouts. So that that's an example of the knockouts. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So yeah, you had uploaded those two songs, and okay, so now now I have audio to the knockouts. I I figured that was also Dark Stars. Um, yeah. But no, when those two songs got posted, I was in that element of. I will download everything and anything and put it on my iPod and it's on shuffle. It's on constant repeat. And those songs landed in. So when I think back at music that inspired me and became earworms and everything else, I think about those songs, which is the reason why, as we've mentioned a few times, when uh, my band The Fillins recorded our last full length record. We were kind of filling it out, and for us as a trajectory, our guitarist was always like a very heavy metal lead guitarist, and you know he came from that kind of background. And even our drummer for the first two records, you know, was kind of a metal drummer. Through, of course, constant cycling out our thing, we went through drummers faster than a teenage boy goes through tissue paper. I yeah, mean, it right. is ridiculous. Drummers yeah. are the weirdest people ever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. kept the main three up front together for the longest time, but the drummer got you blink and it was a new guy. Yeah. So yeah. during that process, um, I'm going, okay, I really want us to go a little bit more rock and roll, Kiss, kind of Ramonesy, maybe even more power pop, you know, glam. Not necessarily as much glam visual. I don't want to put on any makeup and shit, but, you know, let, let's hearken back to those big open chords and catchy melodies and woo-hoo-hoos, you know, shit like that. Well, yeah. what's some fun stuff? What, what's, what's a bridge point that I can get these guys into? I just started jamming some different ideas on the guitar, and all of a sudden I started riffing and that E to B, D to A, and I'm like, wait a minute. I know what what is that? That's I've not listened to this song in forever. I've not touched an iPod in forever, but this song is for some reason ingrained. What the fuck is this? And then it hit me. Oh fuck, it's that song Thinking About You by David Devine. And of course, I only have your name to associate it with. I was like, it's by that guy. I pull it back up, I start jamming it, listening to it again. I was like, this is genuinely a fucking great song. I wonder, I sent it to the guys. I was like, would you guys want to play this? And they're like, I don't know about doing covers. I was like, no one's really heard this song. Like, I I don't think it like got a lot of like play. So like this, this would be really cool for us to do. Well, I'll think about, okay, started jamming it. It sounded cool. And I was, and then right as we were about to record, I was like, 
fuck. I think David's like on my Facebook and like we had not conversed a whole lot. Like we would get in each other's inboxes every so often. Hey, how you doing? How's life? You okay? Catch you later. Bye. Right. I didn't know how you were as a musician in your headspace with that kind of stuff. And I was like, I don't want to like just grab the song, credit him and then be like, Hey, look what I did, you know? And then him be like, bro, what the fuck, (laughs) you know? So it's like, I really wanted to be able to reach out to you, dude. Enough times passed. I'll tell you now, I was so nervous to send you that message to ask if we could cover that song i wrote that email three different times because i'm just like (laughs) i don't i don't want him to like it i don't want it to come off a certain way it's like i wanted it to come off as a way of like this song meant a lot to me to the point of like i tried to write something and i started playing it (laughs) you know it's like instead of me ripping it off can i just cover it Yeah, awesome. That's phenomenal. No, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad you reached out. I don't know what I. I'm sure I said yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah, without like within like an hour, you in so many words, you were like, you didn't have to ask, and I'm like, yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. did. Yeah, that that was awesome. Yeah, that was awesome that you did that. Uh, that I mean, that's actually that song. We had that song. It was like a perfect, perfect mix where it was the first time ever in my life. It had the perfect guitar sound that i've always been looking for it was like it was i've always been looking for a sort of johnny thunders sloppy but put together type and it had that and then and then the the guy that was running the board decided to make it better and (laughs) and then they brought it to me and they're like how do you like it and it sounded like poison and i was like i i don't I don't like it. <laughs> oh. Not that I not that I don't like poison, but I'm saying that's uh, man, for what you were wanting to do, no. Yeah. It was like a you know, it was a, obviously the words in the song is it was a, a trash you needed a trashier sound and and so then it was it, it took like the next week and they tried to put this the guitar t- sound back to what it was <laughs> before the guy fixed it. And it's better, but man, it was a lot. I wish I had that original. Uh, it, but I, I find that so odd and poetic because I hadn't really talked about this much, mainly because life got so kind of fucked up and weird around that time. And I never talked to anyone outside of my own circle about it. And I didn't want it to be like, well, here's me in my life. But it actually connects to this. We ran through the same problem during that recording session of that record. Oh, wow. That's funny. That's, yeah, that's what's funny. so weird about it. So, uh, essentially what happened on that so again i had by my own mistake but almost out of necessity i'd kind of surrounded myself with a bunch of metal people including our producer he actually had like a lot of ties with like dime bag and stuff like he he knew people like he he wasn't i don't know what he's doing now but he he knew what he was doing but yeah through that he didn't appreciate the fact that like for this record i was like hey how about like we put some 12 string and like maybe some acoustic underlayment to like you know make the sound bigger and you know i've I've got this female vocalist kelsey i want her to like get up and sing some background vocals on a song and i've got a tambourine i want to use it you know and stuff like that he started getting real prickly at that he was just like i don't know so that we started button heads on that 
and then talking about you need someone to kind of kick you in the ass and tell you, hey, what you've been doing is wrong. (laughs) This was my, this to pull it back to that, this was my process on that. This producer knew that I wasn't necessarily the strongest vocalist. So instead of finding ways for me to become a better vocalist, he went, well, just scream that part. We'll just yeah. push it that push just push that part. When I wanted to try and do maybe, you know, it's the quickest thing I could pull to at the time. I was telling I was like, well now I want to do more Paul Stanley-esque things. Help me find my range for a Paul Stanley thing. Well, yeah, just push the vocal. So half of the time on that record, I don't like my vocal because the entire time the guy in charge of the record button keeps telling me, well, just do it angrier. Just do it angrier. <laughs> just be, be madder. Yeah. Just, and I'm uh, like, yeah. but this isn't a mad song. Yeah, no, no. This, is, this is a celebration. This song. Yeah. Celebration. Like, ha- like all of these songs on this record I'm wanting to do are like celebration fun songs. And like, yeah. you know, this one is no different. And it got to the point where he started doing the anti of what I wanted where it was, I would do a take and he would just get on the call back and go, well, are you happy with that? I'm like, well, what was I, was there some spots? What do you, what do you think of the take? Well, it's up to you. Now yeah. you're just not being any help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not helping me out. Yeah. You're, you're being from zero to a hundred. Like I need somewhere in the middle, my friend. So yeah, all that to say, a year later, we went to Atlanta instead of recording here in Charlotte, and the guy that recorded us there was actually a professional, a new power pop and rock and roll, and he went, bro, quit fucking screaming at me. Oh, <laughs> You're right? doing this all wrong. And I went, I don't know any other way. He goes, you can't sing? I'm like, I think I can. He goes, well, try. And then I did, and he's just like okay you're like 75 percent there hold on <laughs> and then we had like a whole training session <laughs> so no yeah you just sometimes need that one guy just to kick you in the ass and be like forget what you've been told for the last five years <laughs> learn something on the fly and do it and have it on recording forever yeah, <laughs> no <yeah>. pressure <laughs> right yeah do it perfect yeah do it do perfect, it perfect. <laughs> That, so that, uh, w- with Dark Stars, um, did you wind up getting a lot of that released outside of like the MySpace era? Uh, n- well, no, I think there was actually uh, that's again that song. I always that song I loved. I loved. I again once the guitar was sort of fixed again, put back to place. I really enjoyed that recording. It, it didn't. It didn't get a lot of. Be- it's been played sorta on a couple different radio stations but the first the first problem was when i moved back to cleveland um they they didn't what one of the days didn't want me to have like a clean copy of it you know to so that i could maybe market it myself or or uh, make money off it i think yeah because the copy you hadn't uploaded was compressed yeah yeah and so I've actually never owned a clean copy of that. And I, I think I possibly have one now, but I, 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 I don't know. I had, I had one previous that I had, but it was like the last 20 seconds were cut off. And, and that's just cause a buddy of mine saved it from maybe the MySpace days or something. Yeah. But, uh, I've never had a, I've never had a clear copy of that, uh, because, I, I think it was a thing where one of the guys thought I might 
just call it you know a solo thing and use it myself which i had every right to although they did they did help in writing uh the you know the music uh no and that and that makes sense but at the same time enough time's passed guys uh, if y'all are listening to this let, let's get the track let's get the yeah, track out let's, there can i please the track? <laughs> no it's been like it's been like a hostage track yeah, actually there's one other one someone uh re-recorded priscilla band called priscilla re-recorded one of my cheap vinyl songs called blame which is excellent uh uh if i don't say so i mean it's just it's one of those ones where it was just good writing it just was really yeah. good writing and believe me, there's I have a lot that aren't excellent, but this one was, <laughs> and so much so that this band wanted to record it. But I don't think I have a clean copy of that one either. And um, it's just one of those where the storytelling and the, and the vocals came out good. So those are two songs that I hope to someday have clean copies of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you guys did an excellent job. And <laughs> well, I, I, I would like. I now look back at it with objective ears, and there's things I wish I could have done better. But still, getting your blessing and this, and even you humoring me and being like it was good, still, still meant a whole lot to me. It's because it was good. Well, it's because especially during that time, it was a little bit of a scary period because you know our previous record definitely had like some grit, you know, and like and, you know our, our guitarist was messing with a whammy bar during the intro and shit, you know. So it's like to shift from that all of a sudden to. You know, right. that there was a little bit of nervousness, you know, yeah. going into it all. So, like, I wasn't sharing the record with a lot of people, you know. I think I sent it only to, I had like usually a collective of like 10 people I would send the record to ahead of time, be like, let me know what you think. I think four people got this record. <laughs> you know, oh, I was keeping yeah. it under lock and key. Like I was right. nervous as hell. Yeah. So, so you know, even just getting that little bit of like it's good, just ease that nerve like ten percent. I was like, yeah, okay, good. well, at least the guy that you know gave me the permission said is at least lying to me and said it's good. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a really good salesman. I appreciate yeah, his friendship. That's good, man. <laughs> great. Yeah. No, it was good. And actually, that that song comes up a lot. Like. I'm playing a guitar in a band now, and that's and uh, we're doing doing one show in December this year. Uh, but uh, that song, whenever there's a uh, uh, like a someone can't think of an idea or something, we want to do that song's always brought up. That chord <laughs> progression's always brought up. Oh, that song is just. Oh, in fact, I you know they were playing at practice not too long ago <laughs> as an example of. I, you know, when you're looking for like a really kind of uh, high energy rock song, that that really does have it. That song really does have that, and so. And, yeah. and sometimes it's it's the simplicity, you know. It's like you know how how many songs you know kind of follow a similar chord progression, you know. But yeah. it's like mix that with your specific vocal melody the specific you know tonality and where you decide to go during the chorus and during the verse is what makes it catchy and that's the reason why i don't like my version and that's why you guys still have <laughs> well, the superior that, version yeah that, but, but well, that also goes back to what also makes you a good vocalist and someone that has genuinely i can say is inspiring because you have inspired at least one guy because oh, because no, between the between the Marky show, knockouts and dark stars, three different things you've done 
have inserted and made their way into his little earworm and has kind of inked its way out in different creative aspects that I've had that maybe I didn't even notice until after the fact. So, you know, with, you know, I, I, I feel it, you know, there is a lot of struggle and sacrifice that goes into, you know, creating all this. And sometimes you sit back and just go, well, damn it. Was all that, you know, even worth a damn. And, Every so often I'll get a message where, you know, it's just like, okay, yeah, it, it was worth it. And, yeah, yeah. And, and it honestly kind of surprised me and upset me that folks hadn't kind of wanted to reach out and discuss this kind of stuff with you simply because it has meant a lot to me personally. And that's yeah. the reason why I wanted to talk about all that stuff. Today. No, I appreciate all very kind words. Uh, and again, for people listening, uh, you know, that and that and that's why you you know you do this if it's if it's one person right if it's one person that says it, it moved you i mean even if you don't have that one person it's worth it if you're just doing you know a lot of times again like i said in the beginning well, i was trying to be somebody else vocally uh there's even if i had gotten it you know that wouldn't have been satisfying for me you know right you have to develop your own kind of style and and art and it might not even be popular and nobody might listen but man if you're kind of happy with that artwork that you're putting out that makes it well worth it and if someone like alex says that kind of stuff to you the whole thing was worth it man it was just you know uh somebody got it or um maybe inspired somebody that that's like massive bonus on top of all this so i i really do appreciate that well yeah, i would consider that, you a true artist because you know this isn't even touching on your photography oh yeah there, there's a lot yeah i'm a i'm a weird artist, I'm a weird <laughs> artist. and i and i like to jump around i can't some people say focus just focus on this i cannot do that uh because i have i i just have this drive to learn new things and create new things all the time and some sometimes right it's a photography or or music i could not just do one thing i i, I would get uh i i, I don't know i i would just i, I need something new all the time all the time i need and again keeping the old stuff you know that you've always done but i always need to do you know new new ways to express yourself yeah definitely well well, I love it, man. It's between your photography, your music, and now the broadcasting because you've been doing your yeah. live streams on Facebook and everything else too. Is I, I love it. It feels comforting because you know, as I kind of mentioned earlier, you know, kind of without a band right now, and a lot of that comes from it. Feels like ever since lockdown, folks yeah. just aren't as driven to be creative. Right. And it's not yeah. just a me thing. Like I used to really look at it as a singular thing. Like, oh, people don't want to play the music I want to play. No one wants to be in a band with me. Self pity bullshit all day long. Yeah. But ever since lockdown and COVID hit, so many bands locally and nationally are having such a hard time keeping it together. Yeah, it's yeah. We're in a we're in a weird place. Like I said. Uh, I'm pl playing guitar with the band. We're doing one show this year. It was like it took all we could to muscle that one show. <laughs> now I know that I know that other people, you know, do it for money with covers, cover stuff, and they've been able to keep it together somewhat because it's financially. But this uh, obviously isn't that kind of situation. It's original band, um, Priscilla. You know, the, they had some really great tunes. Good band mm -hmm. to look up in the and. Um, 
but so yeah no it's hard everything's harder now i i don't i know i can relate to what you're saying i'm not quite sure why um either people just got in patterns uh but right uh but anyway, and I'm definitely that's, guilty of that. Yeah, I, I've, def- I definitely fell in patterns and ruts and stuff that it's honestly taken me until a few months ago to kind of really work myself out of. And one of those was my workflow. I had a fantastic workflow heading into lockdown, and I thought I was going to be the whiz at everything because guess what? I'm at home all the time now. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. no, that's not what happened. It, it went tits up fast. <laughs> Right, and, yeah. and it's only taken till like the last few months for me to like really get like my personal workflow, personal life, work life, all that balanced out to where I can actually enjoy and have a life again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That well, that's how I got into doing the uh, the the YouTube show. Is right lockdown and, and just we and we were talking in Discord, and I said let's take these conversations onto YouTube. Mm-hmm. at that time and we did that for a little while and then kind of changed the structure but it, i got into it because my first love was always talk radio always i mean since i before i was even like uh, 10 i i would the parents would say go to sleep all right boom i'd wait till everybody's quiet then i'd turn dial in some weird am radio station where people were talking about anything than yeah. the crap i heard all day long that just bored me so, you know, uh, and that's where I found Art Bell eventually and stuff like that. Nice. But um, so the, so YouTube was kind of a place where you could do that, where you could have on different guests and hear different things. And uh, so it gets I get to satisfy that part of uh, uh, my oldest passion, which was talk radio. Yeah. No, and, and I fully understand that too because through all this, I almost kind of had to take a mental break from the band thing because I was driving myself insane. Yeah. And that's kind of what filmed me, kind of made me fall back into rediscovering some of the stuff I really loved and enjoyed, you know, as, you know, a young teen. And a lot of that came from. You know, revisit like I, I put away misfit stuff for the longest time, and part of that was like revisiting that and enjoying, you know, diving back into that world some, and then all of that literally morphed from like I opened up a box and I had like you know old CDs, you know, memorabilia and stuff, and in that box was that drumstick, and it's like I remember just like looking at, I'm just like, oh wow, I forgot I had that, and just kind of set it to the side. And the more I started working with some of the Misfits stuff, I remember just how much that stuff kind of meant to me growing up. It was spooky. It was weird. It kind of, it was like kiss, but scary. And it was punk too. It was like, Ooh, this is really fun for my young brain. And all of a sudden it was fun for me again to like go down that path and then look up the old videos and go in and I found the old set list and just thinking back at all those old memories and time. So that's going to be kind of maybe a theme ongoing with some of these episodes is it's been really fulfilling without having the band around kind of revisiting what drew me to creating that music in the first place, because that trajectory isn't always the same for a lot of people. You know, sometimes it's, you know, Oh, I picked up this record and it changed my life. Well, a lot of different things changed my life and certain names may be similar, but not exactly the same. Like the show, for instance, the Ramones are a huge part 
but a David Devine plays a huge part just like that. So kind of going down those paths. So I, I, I really enjoyed this conversation, man. And I do want to thank you tremendously for taking the time out and just chatting with us on this. Anytime, man. Thank you very much. This was a lot of fun. Of course. Um, yeah. Anytime. Yeah. I had a great time. Well, Sorry. before we get on out of here, you know what we got to do. We got to dig on into our Spotify playlists and figure out what the hell we've been listening to. What you listening to, son? I don't think you like it. Well, why not? I like this new generation of music. Where did you record this? I bought it at the mall. What that person on your tape has is a medical disorder. All right, David, what the hell have you been listening to? Yeah, well, always, always since I was a kid, the staple was the Dogs the More with Tyler. Uh, their 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 music is like a pub pub style English rock, Rolling Stones mix. Always, always go back to them. But mm -hmm. I, I've been listening to a lot of alternative music uh, lately, uh, just on the satellite radio for whatever reason. It, I've been really getting into the different sounds. But one song that's stuck in my head right now is an old song called uh, Bella Lugosi's Dead by Bauhaus. Oh my God! Yes, and, yes, uh, yes, yes. For some reason, that I, I'm just—I've been in a science fictiony kind of mood anyway, which I always am. But now it's been ramped up. So I would say, uh, yeah, uh, Bella Lugosi's dead by Bauhaus. Excellent. No, that that's that's a really good one, especially on this coming out of Halloween season. Uh, the the go-to Halloween record for me was always uh, the Damned Phantasmagoria. Oh, there mixed, you go. Mixed with the Friday the 13th EP. Or science fiction double feature. I played that over and over recently. I should have said that, too. I can't <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been just really into sci-fi, like, freakishly. Into well, that's good. Like, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Have to dig into my brain catalog, and we'll have to talk some uh, sci-fi one day. Yes. Yeah. As a matter of <laughs> fact, I'm literally remodeling my whole basement so that it has a sci-fi theme right now. Oh hell yes, I love yeah, it. Old movie posters and displaying all the even going back to like German silent films. You know, I mean, I've been like oh that deep in it. So yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. Well, I do have two recommendations. They're all singles. Um, I've gone back and uh, started listening to Cold Chisel again, and that's been pretty fun. And Goodbye, Astrid, Goodbye, the seven-inch version, is fucking rocking. Oh, it I is really cool. What is it? What is that one? Uh, band, uh, Cold Chisel, and it's a Goodbye, Astrid, Goodbye, the seven-inch version. That one is really rocking. And the only reason I even discovered it was, um, I guess he's on tour right now, the vocalist, and... Um, his current uh, pianist uh, recorded like this fast little TikTok or something, and this dude was just wailing on this thing. I mean, just like both hands, just like slamming it up and wow. down, but just like rocking it. And I'm just like, what the fuck band is this? <laughs> wow. So that's what even what led wow. me into that. Oh, good recommendation then. I'll have to check that out. And then obligatory shout out, uh, mainly because of all the Kiss shit up on the wall. I have to mention it. There is a new band called Amber Wild, fronted by one and only Evan Stanley, Paul Stanley's offspring. Uh, they're currently oh. doing the last few dates with Kiss on the End of the Road tour. And uh, as promotion for that, they released two singles. And 
just listen. <laughs> it, it, it's not a kiss clone. That that's what I can say. It, it, the positive is. In comparison to everything else that's out there today, this ain't bad. I I, I, I would hand this to another 13-year-old and go, hey, man, check this out. I think you'd enjoy it. That mm. That's going to be the market. Classic KISS fans and rock fans. It sounds a little Foo Fighters-y, so it may kind of fall out of the classic rock fan realm. But, you know, fans of 90s alternative and Foo Fighters kind of style rock, it kind of hinges on that, I'd say. Hmm. So Interesting. It's yeah. it's at least like you said it is interesting and that's why I threw that little shout out it hadn't gotten a lot of press so I'd be interested to see what uh, the listeners and fans think of that. Right Which side note, if you have any comments about this episode or anything, definitely hit us up on any of the social medias. David's is going to be in the episode description along with his YouTube channel with all his broadcasting. Of course, I've got to do up all the proper promo. People are just going to click that shit and go right to you, man. It's going to be super easy. Right and on. speaking of super easy, if you want to chat with me and any of the other guys on the network, sign up for the Discord link is is also in the episode description. See, we do all the housekeeping at the end. We don't bore people at the beginning. They tune right. out after all this. <laughs> <laughs> but again, thank you so much, David. What would you like to specifically plug? Because I know that you've got the show coming up at the end of the year with Priscilla. Yeah, yeah. That's December 1st uh, in Cleveland uh, at the High Fire, maybe. But yeah, that's uh, <laughs> maybe possibly, but you could look that up. But uh, the other thing is my YouTube channel is David Divine Broadcasted. And uh, we do a couple of shows a week and I bring in uh, interesting guests from aliens to authors to music to you name it. Anybody that's got something interesting to say, I, I like to interview them. And uh, so that's that's that. So check me out there. Uh, come subscribe, watch a live show. Uh, and uh, yeah there you have it absolutely excellent so guys again thank you so much for tuning in for this first video episode hopefully it turned out okay i won't know until the fucking edit this might be the only video episode i ever do (laughs) (laughs) but but until next time check out the other episodes uh shows on the network the couch potatoes history you forgot cryptic conspiracy cult this fucking guy and if you're a kiss fan like i am you can check out the backlog episodes of no time to turn it's 40 episodes for 50 years of their uh, career we go album by album year by year throughout the episode so it was pretty fun so until next time thank you guys for tuning in
been listening to the something good network if you liked what you heard you can follow us on instagram and check out the other great shows on the network link is in the episode description